everyone, I'm Kathy Zip, Senior Editor of Solar Power World Magazine. As solar matures, there's a lot of component suppliers to choose from, especially when it comes to inverters. Not only is there a lot to consider as far as what technology works for your project, whether that's module-level power electronics or string or central inverters, but manufacturer supply chains also matter. So here to tell us why is Ed Hecox, General Manager of CPS North America. So welcome, Ed. Hi, Kathy. Good to talk to you guys again. Absolutely. Glad to have you again. Maybe a good place to start would be by defining supply chain. We hear it all the time, but what exactly does that entail? Yes. For supply chain, basically, I think you need to think about what is the flow of all components and labor that go into sub-assemblies, then sub-assemblies into subsystems, and then the flow, including logistics, of those assemblies and systems to PV installation, PV applications. So kind of the whole flow of all components, how they come together, where they start from, and then the flow of those goods to the point of application. Awesome. So let's talk about it as it pertains to solar. Can you discuss what makes a supply chain efficient and why it matters to solar developers, EPCs, and project owners? The reason I'm with Chint Power in the first place is really related to supply chain. So CPS produces the inverters in Asia, and we do a lot of fulfillment here in North America where I'm responsible. I was interested in Chint from day one, not so much because of just the low-cost expectations that the market required and could be achieved through power systems manufacturing in Asia. But the basic point of efficiency of the supply chain in the power conversion sector, power electronics components often are used in power systems made in Asia. Power systems used for computing, networking, communications, telecommunications, and of course, solar. So because of that critical mass of assembly and production in Asia, great cost efficiencies can be achieved in a supply chain. So that translates to cost of products that we can deliver here in the U.S. What should you look for in a supplier as far as supply chains go? Well, the first thing is I would suggest all users of equipment in solar, whether it be inverters or other systems, Ask your supplier about their supply chain. Ask where do the products come from and crawl upstream. See if you can detect the flow and and if your supplier can actually answer the questions about the flow of goods and all the subsystems, components, and labor that go into the good that you're buying. Ask yourself, does that flow make sense? And when thinking about the flow of the supply chain, Think about a couple things. First, if you were to look at a map and plot the flow of the supply chain for the system you're buying, does it make sense? Or does the equipment have many stops in the journey? And fundamentally, can your supplier even answer the question about the supply chain? So the supply chain is very critical for a number of reasons. Um, first off, and one of the key reasons why I was so excited to work with Chin Power Systems is by having a lean and focused and straightforward supply chain, you can drive cost out of the system. And in the solar world today, when everyone is squeezed 
for lower cost. It can't just be squeezing everybody's margins. The supply chain has to be smarter and more efficient in order to achieve cost savings. So smarter means fewer steps and more straightforward steps on the geographical journey. This is something we're really focused on. So an example in the inverter space was if you knew the supply chain for power stations, say utility scale inverters, mated with transformers, aggregated on skids for North American projects, the supply chain of a couple of years ago, and maybe even more recent than that, included inverters that started in Germany or Italy. Maybe they came to Colorado or Arizona, had some kind of value add integration, localization work done in those facilities. Then those finished inverters might be tested and shipped off to a third party integrator, maybe in Tennessee was a popular location. So those inverters were shipped from the West Coast to the East Coast, get integrated onto a skid, made it with a transformer, and then shipped around the country, possibly back to Arizona, Colorado, or California. So that supply chain's very inefficient. Lots of hands receiving and shipping the units. And in each case, there's a markup or a cost that happens with every time a system is handled or a component is handled. Another thing to consider as a user of equipment would be how many times are are the piece of equipment touching different parties' hands? Not only is there cost and markup that happens every time a system goes in and out of another facility, but there's risk of mistakes and errors. There's increased lead time for these steps, and there's an increased chance of a fumble. I call it a fumble when there's a disconnect in the flow of ownership by project managers that are working to fulfill products for end user applications. When there's a handoff and a break in the chain of ownership from one entity to the next, there's much increased risk of losing control, making a mistake, losing goods, losing track of a schedule and precise delivery that the end user needs. So, The cost, risk, added markups, and long lead time, all are factors that can be affected by supply chain efficiency and something that the end users of solar equipment really should focus on as one aspect of trying to drive efficiency, speed, flexibility, and cost into their purchases. So what are some things that you should consider when you are working with the supplier to try to optimize the supply chain? The supplier's product line strategy. As you can imagine, the number of products and the mix of products does affect the supply chain. So one thing that we've tried really hard to do is have fewer SKUs, that is fewer models of inverters, but that the models are, I call it feature-rich and highly flexible. So if we have feature-rich products that are very flexible, used in many applications, whether it be, say, carport, rooftop, or ground mount, and by having models that are flexible, we can actually have fewer products that can fulfill more of the market. And that's very beneficial to supply chain optimization because when you have fewer SKUs to deal with, you have fewer variables, fewer things can go wrong, 
you can focus your resources on being expert and higher performance on a smaller range of products. And so that translates into some good benefits. For example, it allows us in the U.S. to have a stock of all of our products. If we had 15 inverters, that would be very hard to do. But having five or six SKUs that are flexible, we can maintain inventory in the U.S. for a lot less cost than if we had more models. So the idea here would be to check on the supplier's product line strategy. Does the product make sense to be easy and efficient from a supply chain standpoint? Is it a flexible product that can be used in many applications? Or are there lots of options, lots of SKUs, lots of complexity that could translate to a more complex supply chain and reducing benefits? Those are some really interesting points you don't necessarily think about, you know, when you're maybe paying more for a product, you think maybe, oh, I'm getting a better product, but it could just be you're paying for an inefficient supply chain. So what about when it comes to distribution? Uh, What role does distribution play when it comes to supply chain optimization? Yeah, that's a great question and something that we think about a lot here in North America for our fulfillment model. So I think the key suggestion I would have for users of equipment is not so much a question of whether or not distribution is a good thing or not a good thing. The key is, can the distributor generate enough value to offset the added cost? And often, of course, the distributors do. So the user really just needs to ask the question, is, it, is this the right and best path for my goods and for my project? So for example, distribution often can bundle the components or the systems with other products and components needed for a project. There's, there's value add there. Distributor may or may not have inventory and that can affect the lead time. Of course, short lead times would be good. The distributor might be able to get some volume purchase benefit, maybe a lower cost, and that can potentially lead to a lower cost for the end user, depending on the specifics. And then, of course, financing is another factor. Oftentimes, distribution provides payment terms, which are beneficial for the end user. But you would think that most of what I talked about in terms of efficiency and speed and flexibility, I would be leaning towards more direct fulfillment to end customers. That's generally our operating mode. However, we do work with distributors, and I would just encourage the end customers to focus heavily on the value add of the distributor. And if there's high value add there, it's reasonable path. Great. Definitely good things to think about. And Ed, thank you so much for bringing up these different aspects. Definitely a lot more to that than you think. Thanks for being here. Yeah, sure, Kathy. Thank you very much.